<laughs> Hello and welcome to Your Aunties Could Never, episode 32. My name is Auntie AK and I'm here with Auntie Farah, Auntie Nana, and Auntie Shade. Hi. And Auntie Feedback, by the sounds of it. <laughs> oh, I can't hear Auntie Feedback. Oh, I just heard Auntie Feedback, but maybe mm. she's gone quiet now. Yeah, Good. she's trying Auntie it. Feedback, stay in your place. She's trying it. <laughs> Who are we welcoming to Black History Month? The family dish. What am I saying? Who welcome to the family this Black History Month? We are welcoming Doreen Lawrence to the family. She, as we all know, is the mother of Stephen Lawrence, and throughout the last 27 years, she has remained dignified and fought for him and everyone else who has undergone such hideous. Uh, tragedies especially this month we welcome her because she has just started the Stephen Lawrence Day Foundation which means the home of Stephen Lawrence's legacy and it will be for communities classroom careers and she wants to inspire children to dream freely without barriers and to realize the absolute importance of education so that launches this month Black History Month so we welcome her and her continued fight for us as a people yep I agree with that Lawrence. Okay, guys, let's get into the mess of what's going on in the world today. What have you heard? Um, I think I'm going first, actually. And on it, to be honest, it's just a quick one. Boris has introduced the three-tier system for lockdown. So we've got tier one. If you're in tier one, you will face the basic national rules currently in force, including pubs, bars and restaurants will have to close at 10 p.m. And the rule of six, number of people who can meet up, applies both indoors and outdoors. Areas in tier two face an extra level of restrictions. No mixing between different households indoors. The rule of six only continues outdoors. Um, and most areas of England, which are already subject to local restrictions, will be placed in tier two. And then tier three is, uh, I don't even, you know, areas where transmission is rising most rapidly will be placed in this category. Pubs and bars will be closed, except where serving substantial meals, whatever that means. Households cannot mix indoors or outdoors. Gyms, leisure centres, betting shops and casinos will also close. Shops, schools and universities will remain open. So, you know, at the moment, Liverpool seems to be the only one on tier three. And so far, London is in tier one. So I don't know what have you guys heard about it. What are your thoughts about this tier system? And, you know, what do you, the hell do you think it means? The pubs and bars will be closed unless they're serving substantial meals. Does that mean a big meal? Or has that been a 12-course meal? What the hell does that even mean? But yeah, so what are your thoughts on the tier system that Boris Johnson has just announced? Well, it's confusing, isn't it? Because not only do you have the tier system, you then have the medium, high and all of that system as well. So there's a few systems within the system. And I think what people don't understand as well is the rule of six. So the rule of six makes it sound like we can all go out and we can meet because we're six. No. That's not the case. You can go out and you can meet, but you must remain two metres distance from whoever is not in your immediate household or your support bubble. So again, it's just Boris saying things and not explaining them and expecting the general public to go out and actually read through the hundreds and hundreds of different pages that there are in the government guidelines and then read the updates in the government guidelines and the updates to the updates of the updates to the updates in the government guidelines. So it's constantly changing. The only reason I know half of this stuff is because I've got to do it for work. So I'm constantly having to read and reread and reread and reread. But what was funny about the whole new regulations is that there is a line in there that says, if you are a COVID practicing business, then you can continue within these high risk areas. 
So what does it mean, Boris? Can we go out or not? That's all people really want to know. Am I allowed out? Can I go out with my friends? No. Can I go out with my family? No. Do I need to stay in my house? Yes. Okay. He just needs to do it black and white like he did it before. And then people won't get confused and accidentally break the law. Because mm. people will accidentally break the law by breaking the rule of six and assuming that it means that you can all sit down in a pub together because you can't. I actually didn't know that. <laughs> I thought six people could go out all together and you sit can. in a... But you can't sit next to each other. You can't sit next to each other. So say, for example, you and your husband and your kids went out yeah. and then two of the aunties wanted to join you. Yeah. We could join you, but we have to sit two metres apart from you because we are not in your social household bubble. Oh, Exactly. Okay. Most people don't know that. They just think, I can meet six people. I swear restaurants don't enforce this, though. No, they don't. And that's the <laughs> other problem. So I'm a lawbreaker. We all are. <laughs> I just think it's just very confusing. I just want a short version as well, innit? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a couple of Instagram um, accounts I follow that basically break it all down and just, you know, give me, like, the bite-sized version it's just a lot. I feel like it's confusing by design at this point. I'm just bored of the whole thing, right? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, do I have to be indoors? Yes or no? It's, it's really just as simple as that. I saw the talk yesterday. So Boris Johnson um, gave a press conference yesterday and I saw it and it was just like some of the questions were, were basically these types of questions like, you know, can you just be clear? Are you just avoiding the fact that we do have to go into lockdown? Should we not just do that right now? And it just seemed like they're just trying to delay the inevitable while also trying to preserve the economy. Something's going to give in it. This balancing act, I, I don't think it's going to work for long, to be honest. They said that um, Sadiq Khan said it's highly likely that Londoners are going to go, it's going to face more restrictions. I want to know why Liverpool's more at risk than London because both dense cities. I wonder what it is that making it spike so much in Liverpool and not in London. Because I mean, London's been busy since lockdown has been lifted. Um, and it's one of the things that says that they've been placed on the very high tier and all them banning for mixing. But one of the things that came up with casinos, leisure centers, betting shops and adult gaming shops will also show. I don't know what adult, what's special about adult gaming shops. I don't know what happens in adult gaming shops, why they specifically have to, I don't know, it's just like they're pulling out different businesses. So if they don't mention your business, maybe you'll be okay. Maybe you have, I don't know. It's just very weird. Um, and I, I'm with you, just, let's just lock down and let us know what it is. Or, I mean, and again, I try to give, be fair. Like if I was running the country, it, I'm sure it's not easy to work out how to keep the economy going and to keep people happy. And I'm sure they understand that this time around it's gonna be much more harder to control people. And I'm sure really and truly they don't want to resort to military force and all that type of stuff. So I can understand, I will give them that. It must be really difficult, but there's no, there's no harm. I don't know, maybe there is not saying anything until you're really sure. It's like they're learning on the go and we're suffering the consequences of people learning and finding new things on the go. So it's a lot, that's what makes it super confusing. But I guess we'll see. I think really giving them the benefit of the doubt and, and all of that, where's the advice on nutrition? and our immunity yeah. and actually our health that to me would be imperative because if you have a healthy population then this virus can't take hold properly so the fact that there's never any talk about that does lead me down the road of what's this actually all about agreed because this is not part of the new story but um i did this was going to be my new story that they've um conservatives or whoever who have voted 
against tra- food trade standards, whatever. So that thing we talked about a while back. So apparently, ah, that- with the meat, yes, so oh, the meat. Washed, yeah. bleached meat or whatever yeah. it is coming in. So basically, food that's coming in because they <laughs> they're saying if they uphold those standards, it's going to affect countries, third world countries and America. When you know they want to flip it on the head, they only care about America. It's got nothing to do with the third world countries. We're not calling them third world anymore. So now they've um, agreed to that those standards are not in place, obviously because of this Brexit EU stuff. So um, yeah, so look out for your food being covered in even more crap because there's no standards right now for import, food imports. Wow. So then if we're talking about exactly you're saying that our health, when we're supposed to be healthy in winter months, this is where we need to be at our most healthiest, because there's going to be all sorts of illnesses coming at us from all sides. They're not talking about that. You're right. And they're letting in dodgy food. And then they're going to tell us to eat out to help out. And then they're going to tell us to, <laughs> to stay home. But don't get fat. But don't get fat. Yeah. And don't eat out. <laughs> Unless it's a pub. Unless you're eating out. Substantial meals, which are big meals, to make you fat. <laughs> God, I really want to know what substantial meal Does anyone find out what they mean by substantial meal because that's such a weird thing to say I think it means to differentiate between like if it's like you know some bars just do snacks you know yeah. okay. some like, like go, meal going to a pub to have peanuts yeah kind of thing <laughs> pork scratchings so <laughs> okay. so if you're a pub that sells pub dinners you can't and if you sell snacks you're right no, if you sell pub dinners, you can. Yeah. Uh, right. If you sell snacks, you can't. Right. What's going on? So are they allowed to serve alcohol or not? Like, or yes. Like, so you have to be seated. Okay. <laughs> Apart. <Ooh. laughs> <laughs> I did not no know. No one's doing again. But honestly, have you been to a pub and there's been six meters, like two meters? No, no, the, the restaurants oh. don't. No, they don't. I mean, they, they, they don't care. care. They're just trying to make money. They're trying they to stay alive. Yeah. They're doing the minimum, and I don't blame them because they lost a hell of a lot of money, but they're doing the minimum. They're doing track and trace. Yeah. And because yeah. Boris isn't very clear, people can get away with it because... Have any of you had to download the track and trace app when you've gone out? No. 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 My daughter said she went to a brunch place and she had to download it, but then she... Yeah. I know someone that did the same, but they didn't download it. They took a picture of it and said, I've downloaded it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> no, usually you can just write on the form that there's a form. They say, you know, use your QR code thing or fill in a form. So I feel I filled in forms, but I've not downloaded anything. On I, I think they're all helping us to find the loopholes. I think they're making it so vague that they know that we can find loopholes, but it's just whether yeah. I don't want to meet the first person to get fined because that means I know them. So but, right, <laughs> um, I'm not anyone I know, but it'd be interesting to see who's, I think I've, I have heard that someone got fined, but that was more about they went out um, when they were supposed to be quarantined and they got fined. So it'd be interesting to know. I don't know if anyone watching or listening, if you um, know anyone who's been fined for not socially distancing properly. I remember there was that story that the track and trace was being done um, on an Excel. By, uh, yeah. Imagine. Nonsense. It doesn't work. I don't think it works. That's why they're not really pushing it. Like, he didn't talk about that yesterday. He didn't <laughs> talk about it one bit. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it works properly. Yeah. And also, as well, you like, we just don't live in that world, right? So, we don't live in like China where they can just force it on you completely. We have more choice here, I think, in some respects, you know? Oh, yeah. So, 
people just opt out. And I think like in terms of like London not being locked down, I think that's the last thing they're going to do. That's the last thing they want to do because they think that, you know, the capitals stand for something. Do you know what I mean? So people will think, oh, if it's not happening in London, then it's just isolated or it's not in, do you know what I mean? It's not as bad as what we think it is. Well, for all we know, we could be suffering. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But we don't know because then yeah. the optics, it doesn't look good for the optics. So Boris is doing a Trump, in it? Trump's fine. Yeah, so yeah. Fine. So everything's fine. And they're transferring that. First of all, it was the blacks and the browns that had it. Now it's Liverpudlians. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they're sending it up north. That's the thing. I was thinking about that. I was just like, this ain't going to do great for north-south divide. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know. All right, then. Let's move on to the next one. Okay, so unless you've been living under a bit of a bus, the last week or so, there's been lots of news about the protests that are happening in Nigeria and now have spread around the world. Um, And Nigerian people are protesting against SARS, which is a government, well, it's a police unit that is the special anti-robbery squad, part of the Nigerian police force. And they have been basically allegedly abusing their powers. There's like video evidence There's that goes back many, many years. And they have been, you know, instead of protecting people from robbers, they, they've been accused of robbing innocent Nigerians, torture, killings, all sorts of stuff. And there have been protests, rightly so, to kind of stop these practices and get rid of and end this unit. Basically, so over the weekend, actually, the catalyst of this was actually the president tweeting, get well soon to Trump. And Wizkid kind of like jumped on that and said, well, you need to be looking at your own affairs before you're wishing anyone well. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just, from our perspective, I think definitely kind of just blew up this. And like a lot of Americans have also got involved in the conversation and that sort of thing. People like Diddy, Chance the Rapper, um, trying to find out what's going on. And there was a protest in London outside the embassy. Wizkid was there as well, talking up the thing. I think even Davido in Nigeria went to go and speak to the local government there kind of thing to try and get resolved. There has been some sort of resolve in the sense that they said they will be disbanding the unit, but it turns out that these kind of seem to be like broken promises in a sense. So it's not going to be disbanded straight away. Um, Also, there's a lot of underlying issues with regards to, you know, the police not being able or these units not being funded properly and they feel disgruntled in the first place. So that's why they're taking the law into their own hands. It's a complex issue. I'm quite proud that, you know, action has been taken. But do you think of what you know so far, do you think it's enough? And ultimately, what do you think the solution is? I always feel some type of way being over here and not imposing my views, because I, I think being an African in the UK and looking at the is- any issues at home with a fair viewpoint and not coming with Western eyes on it, you have to just be careful how you say things. But obviously, first and foremost, police brutality, we protest it for America and the UK, so why not in our home countries? Mm-hmm. There's always a sensitivity about speaking about our home countries in a public forum, because we already know the bias and the prejudices against our countries. Um, back home so there's a reluctance to do that and again coming with like yes yeah, so I'm from the UK and I know this and I know that about I'm from Ghana so what do I know about Ghana I haven't even lived there and I don't know what the environment is to come and say how this and that should be run but I think the first step is yes of course let's disband the police but disband this seemingly corrupt unit because we would protest that anywhere it's not it's not right disbanding is the first step but there's so much stuff because I we as I think we can all fairly say that back home 
there's a way of policing that's not like how it is here in the open. I'm not going to say that there aren't corrupt police over here. I definitely believe there are. But um, it's done differently back home in a way that's more more open, more brutal and more matter of fact that this is the way it is. So I think a lot more needs to be done because you, it's a whole system and culture that needs to be overturned. And there's a lot of stuff back home that it would take a whole, it would take religious and traditional and cultural overhaul for certain mindsets and values to kick in. And it is about the younger generations. It's ama- I think what's amazing, what's interesting is that someone like David always could have the, could actually have access to the people in, of, in authority and have, have them sit down and break bread with them in a way that possibly, I don't know, Storms, you could really go and have a seat with Johnson in a way that could potentially affect something. So that's interesting, looking at the back home, the way politics could work at home. I don't think it's enough. It, it's a start. I, the solution is a lot needs to change and it is about the younger generations, but younger generations that haven't been affected by the old school generations. But there is also the kind of the rich lineage where if you've got you come from those made families and you're going to be getting into power because you're connected then it's just a repetitive cycle that happens and it happens the world over so it's getting rid of those kind of mindsets and hoping that the new generation will change it but it's going to take a couple of i don't know a couple of generations but it will take a it's not going to be tomorrow i think really the solutions it's not just disbanding the police force it's the reasons why there are so many young people that go into armed robbery in the first place. Mm. So it's actually providing opportunities and changing the landscape of opportunity so that that doesn't seem like a viable option. The policing is one thing, but then also there's still a problem. Mm. There's, there's a problem in Ghana as well. So it's not that I'm not saying that the police were dealing with it because they weren't because they were abusing their power. But actually, I think the only solutions will come into how you actually are dealing with the actual causes that you were trying to remedy in the first place. And that is proper investment in in industries that is creating jobs, that is actually like changing a culture that has seeped into youth culture that is criminality, which is a problem around the world that needs to be dealt with by governments. And it isn't it's not the strong arm of the law that doesn't solve anything. But this is, to me, it's just like a worldwide problem Mm. that governments are coming with like law and being heavy handed on criminals. Like that's the solution. And And it never is. And all it does is just keep violence going. So I welcome the protest. I think anytime young people band together and start protesting generally does cause change. If we go through history, change usually does happen with social discourse and not necessarily through the ballot. So people getting together and discussing issues, I always welcome that. I think that's a good thing. That's how you move things forward. And then off of the back of that, I, I applaud all of the artists getting involved, but also where are you spending your millions? Instead of having diamond chains around your necks, maybe actually open up some shops, employ some people, really think about, it's not just waxing lyrical because money is flowing your way and you can actually do a lot of change. You can create change. It doesn't always have to come from the government. Actually, people on the ground can step up and be like, I'm going to provide this change and not go cap in hand to the government. And they have the means to actually do that. So Bernard Boy did start a foundation. I think he got a bit of criticism because he didn't speak straight away about this, but he did make a statement a few days ago and he started a foundation which he says, hold on, 
He's saying the initiative will primarily focus on upward mobility and community and give a voice and the platform. It will be a mix of sharing and providing educational and factual historical information and give perspective on the new origins of our nation and our content. We will also focus on providing broader platforms to amplify and the creative and tech community. Um, that's a good thing. Like I didn't know too much about this, so I've spent the last couple of days like reading bits here and there. And I really wanted to hear what you guys thought because I haven't. I'm not too well versed on it. So, um, but I think a couple of things. You're absolutely right, Auntie AK. There is a lot of corruption within police throughout the world, Western world and non-Western world, or whatever you want to call it. But um, I think with this, it's great that the people have spoken and they've protested, and you can actually see that a change has happened. But like you said, Auntie Shade, it's not going to be immediate, which is what I think some people may find disappointing. Um, so you have to look at the people that put these systems in place, because we all well know that, like, it's certainly in this country, they've done something like they've done Trident and then they've stopped it and then they've called it something else. So, you know, that could very well happen over there. I just think it is a great thing that people like WizKid can access the government and talk to them directly. And as you said, I don't know if we have that here. And we're always saying we don't have a particular person that we feel can go to the government and, and talk for us and be acknowledged. So that's something interesting that we probably need to try and work on ourselves here. But yeah, it's just very sad. They said that during the protests, a couple of people were killed. So in Nigeria. So yeah, it's just all very, very, very sad that this is happening. It is sad. I think like it's, it's sad because, you know, people, in particular young people are being are targets of mm. this anyway. So it's just like if you look a certain way, so if you wear dreads or if you've got an iPhone or if you've got a nice car or what's deemed to be a nice car, that those are the people that are being targeted. And then, you know, some people are not just, well, allegedly anyway, they're saying that some people, you know, may be arrested and then their families possibly pay bail and, like they're wiping out their life savings. And if they don't pay the bill, they might not be alive. So it's like a very serious thing. And I think we're hearing about it just because of the might of Nigeria in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, there's been protests in Zimbabwe. There's been protests in China, like all kind of like similar type of like governmental or police brutality issues. Do you know what I mean? But I just think... We have a global issue, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean, with um, authority or government encouraging a corrupt system and not doing anything about it. And it just seems that it's bubbling. It's bubbling all over the world that, you know what, we're not happy with this. We're not, we're not going to stand for this anymore. Hopefully, I do think if things change here, it will have a knock-on effect, especially across Africa, for sure. And so I'm hopeful for that. I am hopeful. But it's just really... I don't know. I just think it's it's just really, it's sad. It's, it's hard for me to talk about even, mm. do you know what I mean? Because it, it is just, it's literally close to home. I'm upset about it, that we're still in this kind of world. And it affects me because if we're talking about the progression of Black people and things like Black Lives Matters and, and that sort of thing, like what is the path to that? Do you know what I mean? Many people think that it is like going home and investing, but if home is like this, I don't know. I just feel despair <laughs> in moments like this. So, yeah, hopefully things will change. I was just going to say, I think that's when I tend to get my tin hat on. Mm. What you've just said, you know, how do you make us as black people less likely to return to what is home? Mm -hmm. Because we've all said it. If 
all the black people in the Western world picked up sticks and went back home, whether that's in the Caribbean or whether that's in Africa, these Western countries would fall. Mm. We've said that. So historically, what they've done is those they have made those countries look less appealing. Mm-hmm. So with my tin hat on, I'm thinking, who's making these people, these, these government organisations throughout the world, benefit from putting these sort of things in place? There's definitely something there. Historically, that's always happened. When someone starts to buy, they take them out. And I think we've done, across the world, across, I mean, we're talking about black countries, black leaders in America, black unifying leaders in, in, in Africa. The minute they start to have impact, because we've had a lot of leaders, I'm, I'm going to stumble on trying to get everybody's name, but we all know the iconic leaders, especially from Africa, who've had the foresight to see if we unionise, if we have one collective currency, if all these type of things become the United Nations of Africa, all those type of things. But those people that have those thoughts out loud, they get taken out in some way. They're destabilised, their country's destabilised, they're portrayed as corrupt leaders, and then they're taken out by force, by, by way of war, or they're just assassinated, as historically has happened. And then you have people like Malcolm X, and the obvious ones, who also speak in a different type of way, and they get taken out. We've had a lifetime of our black right-thinking leaders, or different alternative-thinking leaders, being taken out. So that's not a number on us where we're now like, who is going to be the leader? Because the minute you start talking a bit left, you, all these things start to happen. I don't think you need a tin hat. I think it's there for us to see. We can see it. Mm. It's it just, happens in Grenada. It's in, Little old Grenada. Little old Grenada in the early 80s was invaded by big old America. Ronald Reagan invaded Grenada. And that is because it had a, a prime minister who was forward thinking and didn't want any help from the usual suspects. And they said that he was a communist. Morris Bishop, they called him a communist. And they invaded and they basically slaughtered him. You're right, I don't think it's in that. It's just there, isn't it? I'm going to say the same thing. It's not even a a tin hat. You know, that whole thing of conspiracy theories, anyway, was a term coined by the American government to stop (laughs) people from seeing two separate events and seeing the connection between the two and Uh decided, let's call that a conspiracy. It's not. It's actually factual. It's what they do. And they do it time and time again when there was the, the exodus to Ghana. All of a sudden, Ghana started suffering from light off. And so lots of people that were leaving here to go back, their businesses weren't working. So it's it's exactly what they will do. Yeah. They say get out. Well, it's other working class people that say get out, but they are also being used. They don't know that the powers that be need all of us warring with each other and they just get the cream of the crop from us. It's frustrating I absolutely know exactly how you feel, Sade. I remember maybe we're going eight years now. My brother's house was shot up in Ghana by armed robbers. And it's a problem that is out there. But really, it's like, how do we solve this? Mm. And also, I do feel like, again, where where are the arms coming in from? Where are the guns coming in from? It's all part Mm -hmm. of the course to just destabilise a country. Mm -hmm. And... Sometimes it does feel hopeless, but I do think the work is on the ground. It's not for a leader because we know that this is how it goes. Whenever we kind of band together in an organisation, that organisation is infiltrated. Yeah. So it has to be yeah. down to the individual to cultivate your thinking, to actually move in a certain way. And then lots of other people do the same, but not necessarily a collective Black Panther movement or anything like that. I think as soon as we band under one umbrella that's how it gets infiltrated. It's more all of our individual mindsets need to change and shift 
and then we move in certain directions. But again, I do think protests are always welcomed. I think they're, sure. they're important. Um, let me read, I'm going to read from um, Akwia. She said, it's not the job of artists to rescue a country until the percentages in terms of which people and companies own a country's wealth changes. There will always be a lot of crime and corruption. Artists talking to, to politicians in Africa is common. It doesn't lead to anything, unfortunately. I lived in Ghana for five years, seen it all before, sadly. And I think that's the collective feeling of jade. You just feel jaded and hopeless. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, we'll see if real change happens. But if it does, I do think, I think it will have a knock-on effect. Okay. Um, next, please. My new story is about the fact that uh, it, the MPs may receive a pay rise over £3,000 nice. from next April. And it's under proposals from the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority, also known as IPSA. And basically, they are the people responsible for overseeing the MPs' pay rises, pensions and expenses. They came about 10 years ago following the expenses scandal. Mm. Now, what these guys are saying is it's something that they do every year. It isn't a case of they think that this year the MPs have done more to benefit from it and to, and to receive it. It's just something that they have to do every year and they've rolled it out and they've worked it out. And this is what the MPs should be receiving um, in April. At the moment, they are on about 79,000, just shy of £80,000 a year. That doesn't include expenses. So MPs within the Conservative Party, as well as Labour Party, are calling it absurd and saying that something needs to be done to make sure that it doesn't happen, especially when you think about people in public sector roles, such as nurses and doctors and teachers, have not received a substantial pay rise given everything that they've done during COVID. Thoughts, please, ladies. It just frustrates me each time the MPs get a pay rise. You know, you just think, like it just wouldn't happen like you think collectively they would say you know what for the next few years we just need to hold it down and just deal with our pay as it is and don't even bring up a pay rise like we don't need this heat on us but you know you'll have the token lefties that will say i'm not going to take the pay rise or i'm going to donate the pay rise here or deliver but generally everybody else just goes about their business it's just disgusting and this is, again, something that we, if we were going to protest, this should be something that should be protested, that these guys don't get pay rises before nurses do. That it just should be a standard. NHS workers should be getting a hefty pay rise and, and MPs shouldn't. Like, just goes without saying. But I mean, it's, it's disrespectful. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like someone didn't read the room. At all, you know? I just think there should be no movement. Arguably, they probably get picked a little bit more than they should anyway. But yeah, like, if they're going to do that, but yeah, up the nurses' pay, like, NHS workers, increase universal credit, give us a tax break. Do you know what I mean? Do it all in one go, and then it's equal, right? So by the same percentages you're increasing them, everybody else gets that in some sort of way and then make it fair. But no, you're not working harder than anybody. You're not suffering more than anybody. It arguably you're privileged to be in the position that you're in anyway. So how dare you at this point in time? I think within the next year or so, probably going to be a general election again. Mm. And this is something like if you're smart, you shut this down or mm. you're going to lose your seat. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
yeah. think it's one of those things that yeah can definitely come to short-term pleasure for not any term, long-term kind of gain at all. Um, I'd really like to know what an MP does on a day-to-day. I <laughs> <laughs> really because I when Andy Slaughter is my local MP. I really want to know what he does every day. I love the way that not I think last few elections back he was at my door. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And one of the things that he promised to do was um, get our block cleaned, all our blocks cleaned, like a deep clean, a real deep clean. You know what I saw one week in the run up to the election was two ladies with a bucket <laughs> and going like like this on the wall with a cloth. Now that's not a deep clean and I never saw them again. And my, my book is something like, if, I'm, wait, you know, when I hit 60, a lot of things can happen when I hit 60. And if I'm still here when I'm 60, but I hope I'm not, but if I'm still here, I'll be that woman. I'll be that town hall. Listen, I'm going to be doing all of that because that never happened. And so all these promises, they should be held accountable for every false, every promise that they break, everything that they say they're going to do. I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand what they do. I don't understand what they do to get 80K. I know there's some that actually really believe in their roles and really want to affect change. I'm sure there are one or two. I don't trust politicians. I don't understand this pay rise every year. I don't understand how they quantify. I don't understand how we live in a so-called developed country that lets their NHS workers suffer. NHS workers who are going in to save your life have to pay car park (laughs) taxes, as it were. Is this this country okay? Sorry, on the comments, Nee says, if when they get a pay rise, people would moan and do nothing about it. And that's the difference from being in the Western world, because we are kind of comforted and we pick and choose the easy things to protest and we're kind of a bit sheep-like. But when you've got countries like back home countries where life or death is real, real things are happening in the immediacy where you could literally get shot potentially just for saying the wrong thing, like literally on the spot. That's the extreme of what can happen. We don't have that risk over here. So we're going to moan. We might walk down to Downing Street and then come back home, and then they, they, there's there's no real effect. I mean, protest is always good, but they're not gonna they're gonna just sit there and say, "Oh no!" And as um, I can't remember who said it now, that you know the, the few that are smart will be like, "Yes, I I, I will donate mine to the local children's charity." Mm-hmm. But next month, and your expenses, because you know why you're donating it, because you know your expenses will cover that. that yeah. anyway. mm-hmm. So you're going to be claiming on, well, I, I, I walked down the street and I had to buy a cup of tea, so I'm going to claim that. Do you know what I mean? So it's all that crap. Um, corrupt. UK's corrupt. Western world is corrupt. Everything's freaking corrupt. So bun that pay rise. <laughs> I was just trying to find out who watches them. So they're watching the MPs. Who's watching them? I can't find that anywhere. I, I literally can't find that. But, and there's a lot of right honourable this and right honourable that if you look at the people who are behind it. So that's a little bit strange as well, isn't it? Um, surely someone somewhere should be able to say, now is not the right time. Okay, we understand that at this point, usually you would be setting pay rises for these people because it's an annual thing. But at this time, given COVID and everything that's happened, now is not the right time. They shouldn't even have come out and said that it's a possibility that these people are going to get it in April. And you know they just will secretly get the pay rise. We just mm-hmm. won't hear anything about it again. It will yeah. just happen. These people will be on flipping 85 grand a year before expenses and all the rest of it. And you'll have nurses, as you say, paying to park. <laughs> My question is serious. What do they do? Seriously, on a day-to-day, an MP, what do they do for that 80K, please? Does anyone know the actual job criteria? I think they answer letters. <laughs> but they don't um, because their assistants do. <laughs> I, I do, I do. Um, all right, so when I went into Parliament, 
I think one of them just volunteered a day information. And so they meet lots of people who were doing lobbying. So they'll have like like half an hour meetings in the foreground and you'll see, because that's what we were doing, we were lobbying. So you'll see lots of MPs and they'll have people around them and the people are pitching basically to them. <laughs> like next time you're on a select committee, can you do this for me? And they'll leave them with stuff. And they have that. Then they have, um, so then you'll have select committee meetings where an MP will bring an agenda. Like, so let's say, okay, so my constituents or I've been hearing that there's a real problem with bin collections. And so then they'll discuss what they can do to sort out bin collections or roads or congestion in London. So then they'll, they'll meet on that they then will determine a select committee to do some research on this. And generally their day is just spent meeting various people, hearing lots of information and then going home. So they're a facilities manager, but they're not actually managing the facilities that they're being paid 84 grand, well, 79 to manage. And my point is, go on, Shadow. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the, um, the official um, site. Um, I just looked up what do politicians do on a daily basis. And it says, what you'll do, day-to-day tasks, you'll attend sessions in Parliament and vote on new laws and policies, raise constituents' concerns with relevant ministers, debate issues and raise questions. Outside of Parliament, you'll talk to businesses and schools about local, national and international issues, speak to the media, attend meetings and conferences, hold surgeries and advice sessions in your constituency. So when do they have their appraisal? Like, do they have appraisal? <laughs> 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 okay, so because like, today I'm going in today, I've got, I can say that I've got a meeting with the, the bin collectors, I've got a meeting with the road people, I've got a meeting yeah. with the neighbourhood. Small business association. association. I need my, um, look, we need to get more security. Okay, I'm going to go have a committee with my people and I'm going to come back and say, unfortunately, we don't have the budget for that. So that's my job done. I go home and then get my pay rise. That's what it is. I'm going to be an MP tomorrow. I'm applying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to apply because I can get expenses as well. No, you forgot. You have to find, you have to be very tactful, not answering questions. That's like a key skill. Fine. I can learn that. I can learn that. Ask me a question. Ask me a question. What did you have for breakfast? On this day, (laughs) breakfast is such an expensive thing that what I find that actually, if having breakfast is the ultimate solution, then why not have lunch and breakfast? And then maybe possibly I could have tea. (laughs) (laughs) Tea, It'd be good. It would be good. You're hired. Yeah, I'd vote for you. Call me MP. More sense than most of them. (laughs) Right, that's that then. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. All right, so in internet lands, a scandal has broken out. Jesus. Um, This was revealed over the weekend from Kaede, sorry, I cannot pronounce his surname, from The Apprentice. I think it was last year's one. It was the black guy that was in The Apprentice. He tweeted that his girlfriend went to a party in South London and had a fivesome. Obviously, this is no longer his girlfriend. And then he proceeded to go on live with Sideman and give all of the details of the conversation that he had with his girlfriend. It's alleged that the fivesome happened with 
four black men in a bathroom in a house party in Catford. The kind of details are slightly dubious and it's developed since yesterday that she has now gone to the police and is saying maybe it was a sexual assault. Um, now, following on from last week when we were speaking about Lani and um, airing out your business on social media, uh, the Generation Z, are they called, um, and Xs, seem to do this as a, as a mode of therapy. What do you guys think that Kaede should have done with this information that was delivered to him from his girlfriend? I stand by what I said last week. I'm, I'm not really for exposing your business like that online i get that these young these youngsters that's what they do because it's cathartic for them but when you said that she went to the police i thought you were going to say that she went to the police to report him no nah, the guy because okay she did a big old dirty thing if it was consensual yeah actually i can't say it's dirty because that's her preference right so i can't even say it's dirty. it's just something that most people wouldn't do a lot of people wouldn't do what she did and she was in a relationship so it wasn't right but for him to go online and start exposing her business I've got an issue with that even if it was the other way around I've just got an issue with that I feel like he should have taken it up with her and dealt with it like that and gone through anything he needed to deal with on his own during the live I think at first he was saying oh I didn't expect it to blow up how it's blown up then what did you expect to happen You've got X amount of followers. You're talking about this. You've been on The Apprentice. It's clearly he did it to shame her, which I understand because he's feeling some type of a way. But it doesn't make it right, though. Yeah, that was probably one of the... I think, like, we're going into, like, a chart of the best bad boy pieces of information. Right? <laughs> and this is one of them. Like, that was like, whoa, I was not expecting him to say that at all kind of thing. Should he have said it online? No, ultimately, no. I don't think so. Because through the course of the conversation, and I think Sideman saved him, by the way. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because that whole conversation could have been like a hot mess. And yeah. it was kind of like him venting and also trying to be considerate and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it was still coming from a place of ego. So I do think like, what was the intent here? And I do think it was like to shame um, her and also to seek attention at the end of the day, you know? And I watched the whole thing, and I can never get that hour back. Unfortunately. <laughs> what, what, what a nonsense. What a nonsense you like, really into. Just go, go and flog yourself a little bit, to be honest. Like, you know what I mean? Like, honestly. Oh, at one point he's like, you know, I don't know why people are saying this to me, because I get bare girls. What has that got to do with anything? We're talking about a serious thing here and we're talking about you can get bare girls, please. Like, And also at the end he was talking about, oh, you know, I'll catch me working for the BBC. I'm going to be doing something with The Apprentice. You think that's going to last for long? I don't think so, hon. Because if this does turn into a criminal case, then you have jeopardised the case, number one. Your your words can be taken out of context. Yeah. I think he was a bit of an idiot. I, obviously, I don't know him and stuff, but he was trying to come across as like, oh, he's this nice guy and this girl has taken advantage of him um, or, or taken the piss out of him. But like, no, I don't think so. You just seem like an attention seeker, really and truly. And it's just like, if she's doing this, yeah, it's, you know, she's hurt his feelings. Yeah, she has hurt his feelings. That's bad. But it doesn't mean that, like, defame her whole character because you're upset about it. 
And also know what you're getting into because when you look into the details now, like Sideman, okay, yeah, you can't dictate when you fall in love with someone. You was with him for six months. You met just before lockdown. Like, come on, bro. It's a bit, a bit convenient. I'm sure if you talk to some of your brethren, they would have just told you, like, you know what, ease back a little bit, just relax a little bit. Do you know what I mean? She's talking about this is one of her fantasies. But at the same time, now that the consent issue... He's put that out there. That's not fair because then it's like a certain judgment comes with that because it's like, so what if it's one of her fantasies? If she was intoxicated, then she can't really say yes or no. So I don't know. It's a real life Michaela Cole situation. So yeah, I, again, seeing that this story was trending, I first of all thought, I think Shada, you were trying to find the words to describe him as a complete chief fool. Dumbass. <laughs> constant idiot i looked at him i thought you're uh, dumb but you're also clout chasing because you're doing it to get attention and it's that basic thing and especially what we were talking about like um, if we compare talking about your business in public lani is different because she was exposed and then she capitalized on the exposure so now if this girl gosh and it's difficult to talk about her because now it's become it essentially could become a criminal case so we can't really pass too much judgment on her but if it comes out that it wasn't a criminal case and she hadn't lied or anything. It was just cleared up in any nice, in any type of way. And she capitalizes on that. This is a thing that she can do within her right because she can capitalize on the bad press. Now this guy is just maybe desperate for attention since they're not winning The Apprentice and not getting that attention. So now he's using something like this to get clout and attention on whatever business venture he's doing. You could have just gone to the BBC and the press release done. They do that. Could have emailed us and gotten in. We yeah. could have done an interview with you. Could have been fine. That's it. You didn't need to come and do this stupid live chat to talk about a girl. And it is again, Women shaming, because again, if this, I'm a black woman, and obviously I'm gonna have a problem with a white woman saying she's got fantasy with sleeping with multiple black men or something like that. I will have a problem with it, but at the same time, she has within her right to have a fantasy. If she wants to sleep with multiple black men, and that's her fantasy, consent aside, that's her business, that's her right. He, and if it is genuine that this woman, he, he loved her, and then she broke his heart by going off with a bunch of guys. Yes, again, I think as a girlfriend to girlfriend, I'd be like, sis, you fell in love too quickly. Lockdown, how's lockdown the right time to try and get to know someone in these kind of weird circumstances? You don't know her. You probably barely saw her and now you're in love with her. So you know that kind of thing. So it's all a bit misguided there. If it's genuine that she did cheat and if it's genuine that his heart was broken, I'm sorry, then you are within your right also to go and talk to Simon about it if you so desire. Because also on the flip side, guys don't talk about their... L's in this way very often in a way that's kind of mm. honest open and vulnerable because he is taking a risk speaking about something like this because most people are like that's an L you're a chief you're a punk what man's but gonna the right time though I don't agree with it I think he's, I've already said he's a chief for this mm. however if we're looking at the bigger picture the whole thing is if he wanted to come and expose his heart and talk about how he felt and it's all genuine he has the right to do it it's not very nice he didn't have to expose her. He didn't have to expose her. But then at the same time, there are other people who have spoken about being exposed in different ways. And it's been okay because people empathize with the hurt that they're feeling. So I think it's about an empathy thing as well. However, for me personally, in this reacting to this story, I think he shouldn't have done it. I think it was wrong. And if this girl now is talking about this is a criminal case and I've been violated, this is a big, serious thing. It goes into all sorts of stuff. So the girl is a mixed race, she's half white, half Egyptian, she okay. looks white. Why this is an issue is because there is a history 
of white women pulling rape in these situations when they get caught out and that not necessarily being the case there's a lot of these cases that happen and you know after the guys spent years in prison then they might reveal sometimes on their deathbed oh yeah it was that wasn't the case that's a very serious thing he alluded to that in the conversation he knows that why do this surely you should let that get that bit sorted because the things about her sexual fantasies the details of it this is all from his point of view he wasn't there so how does he know he said oh he talked to the friend this is all what you're saying how do we even know he talked to the friend we don't know do you know what i mean like so i just think it's just really really dangerous that those boys that were involved how would they be able to clear their name if this isn't true it's almost virtually impossible now and then four boys are gonna go down because of this situation obviously this is saying that you know if she is not a victim and if she is a victim i just hope that young people obviously condemn those guys because what the fuck are you doing do you know what i mean but i just really hope that young people really learn from this in terms of consent it's real do you know what i mean that kind of thing it's not necessary to be super intoxicated to have fun and like just err on the side of caution do you know what i mean and if you're rolling with your friends your friends need to look out for you because this isn't consensual not to not i'm not blaming anyone or anything like that but we need to do better in terms of growing our young people to know to look out for the the people that they're with as well i was thinking just on all fronts you know when something is so messy Mm. and i really do wonder as a, a mother of two black boys like this would destroy me if i ever heard of my sons involved in this scenario with a girl who her friend says was on drugs and was intoxicated throughout the night but that there's four of you that got so caught up that four of you had sex with this girl who seemingly in this party was not all there and it's like in this climate in this day and age as a black man are we really still in this place where you don't know how dangerous these situations are and the optics of her being which she does look white and you guys have put yourself in this position to actually be going down. Historically, it doesn't fare well that you're going to get off on this. If she literally is like, no, I didn't consent, or I was scared that there's four of you, which is, as a female, I can absolutely understand that right. in that situation, that you may be like, I just have to follow through with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and these are the things where it's like, actually, we, sometimes we put too much on the woman that, you know, why did you put yourself in this situation? Really, as men, why are you putting your penis in this situation? Why are you putting your life in, in jeopardy like this for sex? Like, I was watching my mouth open like, wow, from his point of view as well, I get that you're hurt. But when she was telling you this situation and you decided to tweet about it, there was no thought of the men in this. Because if she's saying, I didn't say yes, I didn't say no, I would hope that an intelligent man would think that there is a question of consent with this. This could be rape. I have to put my feelings aside to deal with this. If this is somebody that I love, I was watching, like questioning his integrity where his mind is at he's trying to play victim and I'm like really you have no intelligence like this girl that you say you love is presenting you with a situation that she found herself in and you couldn't even wait 24 hours before you started bleating like literally just get some counsel get some facts from her 
let her sleep, talk about it. Like I was dumbstruck by how insensitive the whole situation was. Like really was like, wow, this is the state of human. This is what it is at this moment. This seems okay. And I'm reading the comments as well. And it was very few people that was bringing up the fact that he couldn't just sit on this information and hear all sides just for a little while. Even maybe find out who was in the house. Like just mm -hmm. really hold space for this woman so that she can get herself together. Because it, it sounded like she hadn't slept as well. Just in all avenues, I was like, where where is the empathy and humanity in this space? So I'm I'm also not surprised that she's gone to the police. Just on the whole shame of it, I think mm. that would be a, a way out to just kind of be like, I, I didn't know what was happening to me because it's all over the internet. But it really did make me think, what's the type of world that we're bringing our young people into? And really, I think at this point, that there probably does need to be um, some type of teaching, something in the curriculum about internet etiquette, something about social media, something about exposing people. But I really feel like there needs to be some learning that can go on some some materials that we could be sharing with young people so that this doesn't become so common although it really is at this moment but I, I still feel like there's some ways that we can kind of stop this in its tracks so hearing you lot recount it how it went i missed a bit the whole play out because i missed the bit where she actually talked about not being 100 sure about what mm -hmm. went on. i thought it was something that she was owning because i didn't watch the whole interview i just heard him talk about it and i saw that i went to social media to look at the headlines which I should have watched the whole thing. So I didn't realise that she'd actually said that she wasn't sure about how it all went down. So that make, does make First it... First of all, and then she admitted it later, or admitted it under... Because the thing is, is also mm. as well, like, and he says it himself, like, quote, grilling her. Like, he was grilling her to kind of get a confession. It's a sticky one, because, to be honest, yeah, if she's not telling the truth in terms of, like, she just done this and she mm. got caught... And she's like, ah, oh, might as well just let him know. And he's just blown it up. And then she's trying to get out of it now. That's, that's just bad because a lot of people are going to suffer because she's not owning up to the truth. Do you know what I mean? But if she is saying that, she doesn't think there's consent. Consent needs to ex be explicit. <laughs> like, let's, let's, we're in the day and age now. Yeah. Consent needs to be explicit. It can't be like, oh, I'm not sure at any point. It can't. Mm -hmm. He's just, oh, God. I just wish he didn't do this. It wasn't funny. It wasn't entertaining. It was quite distressing because he didn't seem like he was processing everything in that moment. She hasn't had the chance to either. And now it's almost like she's almost pressured to say that she didn't consent. She's got the perfect conditions to say that as well. He's saying, oh, her friend said that she's taken all sorts of drugs. Like these are quotes. But if she was, how can you actually consent? Do you know what I mean? So those guys, it might be in a situation, they could just get prosecuted anyway. It's problematic yeah. because if he's not sure himself, he should have shut his mouth. I'm all for men expressing themselves and showing their emotions. Then talk about the fact that you've been hurt, you've been cheated on, you've been hurt. That's it. Leave it there. Because if it was consensual, there is now an image of these four boys, or there may be an image of these four boys who've had sex with this girl and they could get done for that. If it wasn't consensual, there was now an image of her out there taking drugs, doing stuff and all of this kind of thing. This is why you leave this sort of talk and let it run its course, whether or not that is legally, through the courts, whatever. There's all of this sort of media attention to this now. She could be doing it for one reason or another, but 
everyone's views is jaded because of what's happened, because of what he said, everyone's now got an opinion on it without having all the evidence. Mm -hmm. It goes back to, I think Auntie Shadow, you said it, and Auntie Nana said it, it's how we raise boys. This, this mindset has to change when it comes to consent and how women are viewed when it comes to their sexual prowess and how men are never, ever told. Like, as you said, he went straight to what she'd done, not even considering what the guys who were allegedly involved in this situation. There's been no commentary. I, I saw lots of talk about him and her. I saw lots of people criticizing him and the girl. Actually, more criticizing him for even talking. People were saying, why are you even saying this? Why are you doing this right now? I saw a lot of criticism levied at him. But actually, if the, the guys are actually involved, there's no conversation. I haven't seen any commentary about what are you doing with a girl who's intoxicated, whether she's up for it or not. Why are you in this situation? And why is it so easy for guys to just not see the danger of this situation? Why is it? Why do they think they're invincible when we do have historical facts and cases continuously, and especially black men, the meme of a black rapist man who's just hungry for sex and it's just a, a beast. And especially when it comes to the lighter skinned woman to white woman, there's that image, the King Kong versus Jane or whatever. Why is it not in their reinforcing their minds enough? How have we over missed that? Why? Same thing with intoxicated too. She could have been the instigator. There's just so many different possibilities that it could be. But the fact that she's gone to the police, it just changes everything. Do you know what I mean? It really just changes everything. But then and on that, it's still then, I'm sure her parents have said, listen, don't get drunk, don't get caught, da, da, da. And I'm sure maybe the advice, I'm being really general, the advice that the guys have got is like, strap it up and don't get caught. Do you know what I mean? The levels of instruction mm -hmm. going out and having a good time. Boys and men are left to their own devices pretty much. Just don't get a girl pregnant or something or don't get caught out. It seems to be the very basic terminology they get. Girls, watch what you're wearing, watch your drink. Da -da 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 -da. There's yeah. so many things. The script for girls going out is different. It's a lot longer than the script for boys going out. So that's another thing. Like if you are drunk as a guy and you see your mates going off in a room, don't go in that room. Even if you're drunk, try find another way and have your boys look out for you as well. Why are your boys not looking out yeah. for you? What are you? What's going on? What's your, you know, signal of, um, okay, boys wasted, let's go, or something like that. Queer says, and um, we need to talk to our boys and girl children about the differences, the difference between sex and porn. I think earlier on I'd seen that Nee had said it's his story to tell. I, yeah, I think that's, that's the only ones I could see at the moment. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I really, really hope that either way it's lost cause, because if she lied, it's a problem. If they did it, it's a problem. And can you please shush, shush. Don't, don't try and get clout on the back of something as terrible as this. That is, sorry, I know we run out of time, but that is really interesting, like the porn aspect kind of thing and yeah. how much that affects, especially young people's behaviour and stuff, both ways though, right? So the guy, the boyfriend or the ex-boyfriend, he was saying in the beginning they were just hooking up, da -da -da -da, it was literally just sex, you know, he's bringing the fantasies and all this kind of stuff and everything like that. It was very kind of like a sex-based relationship that just so happened to blossom into something else. This porn endemic is not helping young people. It really isn't. It's very... It desensitises them. Yeah, yeah, it really does kind of thing. And I think a lot of the judgment and also expectation, I think there's a lot of expectation from girls. Like even he was saying, girls send me nudes, this, that, the other, like that standard, like young girls like sending nudes to get a response. It's sad. Hmm. We're going to do an auntie's late night on this. Definitely. We have. Yeah. Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. So, Auntie AK, I have a problem. I've been dating black men all my life. I'm a black woman, obviously. And 
it's not gone well. And I'm not saying all black men are bad, but it's not gone well. And I have had a white boyfriend in the past and we broke up because it felt kind of pressure to have a black man. He's floating around the scenes, around the edges and trying to come back into my life. And I must say, we did have a great relationship, but I am truly conflicted. Um, and she was also conflicted coming to tell me because she knows how our auntie AK stays. So she just wanted to get some advice, ask the aunties, what do you think I should do? And should she hold out for the right black man or should she throw it all in the air and just go for love and <laughs> try again with this ex? I mean, this white guy was an ex for a reason. They did break up, but she, she did say that some of it is down to her insecurities about dating a white man, but there were other issues. But at the same time, he's shooting his shot again and she's considering like, look, all else has failed, literally. So should I try with this relationship again? Aunties, what do you think? How old is she? She's in her 30s and time is ticking for her. Late or early? Okay. Mid. She doesn't have any children? No. So is the factor more that, that that is the step that she's after, like she wants to have it, children? It could be consideration. We didn't go deep, but it could be a consideration. I, I'm just, I know she wants to settle down, have a family life and just be chill. I think she's got to the point where a lot of, I'll say us, are tired of the, the merry-go-round and just want to chill with someone that's sane and treats her well. I feel like if dating out of her race is even a thought process that she is like, this isn't my, um, this isn't what I want, I think it's best to just keep on looking. Okay. I don't think it's something that you can be like, oh, I'm going to give this a try. If you're already thinking this isn't my ideal and you're not hitting it like I love who I love, I think there's always going to be issues there. You're always going to find fault and you're going to start seeking it out and it, and it will present itself. So I, I would probably say, no, just keep on looking. Just broaden your search, like start going on various different sites, get your friends involved, even maybe consider a matchmaker. Matchmakers have like really good odds at finding a partner. You're serious. Go go all out to find the person. It shouldn't be because she wants to settle because it sounds like she's just settling because she's at that point in her life where she's ready to just settle. If you're going to date outside your race or sex, let's say, it should be because you love who you love, like Auntie Nana said. It shouldn't be a case of, oh, I'm not successful with black men, so I'm going to go out with white men. Because one thing I cannot stand is when black men use that as an excuse. Black women are blah, 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 so I'm going to date white women. So it works both ways. If you love who you love, genuinely, because that's the person that you met and you connected with and that's who you love, then crack on. That should be the reason why. It shouldn't be because you feel like someone else is failing somewhere else. Auntie Shade. Um, mate, I don't believe in fairy tales, so I just think, nah, forget it. I agree. That's what's going to happen to you? Yeah. <laughs> what? You're going to have a fairy tale? Yeah. it. I think there's more than one way to have a kid. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't need to be in a relationship. If you want to be in a relationship, then you better find the one that you want to be in, innit? Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, you're always going to be looking for the door. So I guess I'm not really saying anything, anything new. Just, I don't believe in settling either. Just get comfortable in and understanding you. How about that? There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, a, a queer who's watching says, if she only wants children, then she should go for it. If she's not comfortable with a white partner, it's not going to get any better. And she's only going to make both of them unhappy. I would also say I'd maybe err against if you just want children to, especially if you're not sure about a white person, because that having mixed race children isn't just having mixed race children. You have to, there's other stuff that comes with that. If you're, you know, you have to be, know yourself 
know the partner, know what that child's going to go through because there's a different existence. So, but yeah, if, if that's the case, you can make it work and make it work. I am a bit of a romanticist, I'm, as well as a realist. I'm not going to settle. I don't believe in settling. And I really, I don't like the message that black women, if you can't find a black man, you've got to find a white man. You've got Because we're told that. I have never, ever heard a white woman saying, well, if you can't find a white man, go and find yourself a black man or a Chinese man. But it's always told to black women. And I, I resent it so much. I think it limits our outlook. And I think it puts us under pressure to do something that we don't want to do. And I hate the fact that we're told that we're the bottom of the pile. Because I think that becomes a bit of a brainwash. So we think that we're the bottom of the pile anyway. And the fact that we're considered the bottom of the pile and there's no such thing as a black man that would ever want us, that's damaging to our psyche and our mental health as well. And as much as you might not be buying into the whole thing and know yourself and all that type of stuff, it's still something that's damaging to your soul. Like It angers me when I hear people say that, and that's, but I shouldn't be bothered by it. But I know it's something that I feel that black women then are under pressure. We're already under pressure because if you're single, it's a, it's a statistical problem. You're already under pressure because the patriarchal system makes you feel less of a woman if you don't have a partner or you're not as um, well-rounded as a woman if you don't have a partner. And then on top of the fact that, you know what, black men probably aren't going to like you, so you might as well go and try something else. That's that's a lot to deal with on, on, in amongst all the other daily bullshit. So I definitely don't condone going with someone just because. If you're definitely up for it, then if you're up for it, it's not a problem for you politically or socially or consciously, then try I mean, like she, this, this person said that she'd been there before, it kind of works. She didn't have a problem with going into it. But, you know, I don't know. I, the rest of it, I agree with what, everything that you guys have said. Queer says, and also, until you've dated one black man, you can't say that black men don't make good partners. One million, sorry, one million one black million. men. Yeah, basically, that's true. Yeah. Because you can't, if you've only had five partners and they yeah. were all shit, that's still a very small and your picker is probably off, really. Yeah, it's you. It's, it's, it's on you. <laughs> You've managed to find five shells. <laughs> and now then, just say it. I'm single on these round here and I refuse to take all the blame. <laughs> <laughs> just get help from one of those dating people. Like, nah. think, yeah. um, you know, what's that she system should. that... Um, that Muslims use, the name's gone out of my head at the moment, but it's like a dating CV. So your aunties will give you like CVs of their nephews and then you can go through the CV and then you go on dates. I actually think that is a really good idea. I wouldn't trust my aunties to do this, but no. I would go to a dating coach. We should do that. We should provide it? people. It's true because we're very good at giving advice to other people. <laughs> That means we don't take our it own You know like when you're in something, sometimes it takes you a minute to do what you know you should do. We're yeah, all yeah. guilty of that. It, you just need yeah. a minute sometimes. And you're like, boy, this is a dumb move. I'm stopping this now. I don't think it's that hard to find a guy, to be honest. You just you just got to open your mind a little bit. Depends what type of guy you want. What is it? Forget it then. Do you know what I mean? Settle. So much to unpack. I know, Shadow is the worst. <laughs> Some people might argue that it's hard to find someone, but but the thing is, it's, it's two extremes. Auntie Shade and Auntie Nana are the extremes. Auntie Nana's like, just go get one, man. Actually, no, you're both the same. And then Auntie Shade's like, it doesn't matter, but yeah, you can find it. Yeah, you're both saying the same thing. It's really easy. Uh, it's not easy. It just I depends on standards. That's what it is, because yeah, I, it, it does. It depends on standards, because we could all go out there now and say, hey, and someone would say, oh, do you know what I mean? But like, 
it's standards. Would that person be the person that you want? Like this chick who spoke to you, she's debating whether or not she should be with him because she, they were together before and they've had issues and he's not necessarily the race that she wants, but she's thinking of settling. That's what she's basically doing. So you can do that if that's what you choose. But if you don't want to settle, then sometimes it's a little harder. Sometimes, this is controversial, I think it's even better to settle. If he likes you more... Please don't say that. <laughs> if he's punching, if he's punching, he will always be grateful. Settle, babe. Just settle. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, but he has to be punching and come with some assets because... Yeah. Some people settle and they're just like, oh, I fucking hate you. Every time they look up, they just know that they're secure. What is that? I, I do think security is very important. Mm. Yeah, now, don't call it settling. People should really take time, like like you would a business partner in your yeah. life partner. I think yeah. you do have to be that methodical. Yeah, and love is a part of that mixture, but it shouldn't be the be all and end all because the the serotonin will dry yeah. up, and then you need other things to keep you going. And then it reignites again. It's like it's it's an ebb and flow. So settling, what what is that? It's subjective. Like I think everybody does. And if one of those settle into me, then I am into them. But they tick all of these boxes. I think that's fine. And you probably should have that ingredient in the pot yeah. than the other way round. Really, I, I think that's. I think most people do that when they find that. And because I think I think you don't have to ask. We um, when you know when you know you know when you know, isn't it? I think that's what kicks in. But when you don't know and you're outside of it, it's like oh, it's so difficult. But you, I think when you do meet that person, it all kicks in, and you know that ah, they haven't got that, that, and that. But they do have this, that, and that, and I can live with that. I think when it happens, you kind of know. Let me just quickly get some comments in. Zell has said, "Well, why are so many black women?" black men and women still caught up in this thank god for the ends where you can see loads of black love and black lust mm -hmm. she also said it's not hard to find a man but it's not necessarily a man you want yep standards is what's messing everything up and antoinette says we all know there are women out there who settle exhibit one trump and melania <laughs> <laughs> and melania that was a ticket to ride oh she's a robot look at what she's look at what she's gone with Gone, got, um, what she's ended up with, she's trapped in this mad situation. She wants to get Has anyone seen her. That's true. She's in the cupboard. Yeah. And Antoinette also says, I agree with Shade. If he's punching and you can tolerate him and are happy to settle, then there's no harm. If you can live with them, go for it. So it's time to roll out your Danny DeVitos, as they say. What's a Danny DeVitos? <laughs> <laughs> Danny DeVitos. What? Yeah, Black in the day. That was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas.yourauntiescouldnever at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. Never been Black in the Day. Okay. It's a really quick one because I was, I was thinking over it and I just felt that this Black in the Day, um, I really wanted to give a, a big homage to black British music that has like shaped our childhood and I wanted to really hone in on jungle music. Hey! I, was, <laughs> I was on Stevie Hyperd's page, rest in peace, and um, 
somebody on there was looking for telepathy step beyond the cd and i was like man i wish i had that tape or cd to actually share it because they're, they're doing a project with him and it just took me down memory lane just thinking of going to um, club un and um, adrenaline village and all those venues that kind of shaped our our youth and all of the friends that I made in jungle raves, it just re I really was like, you know what, jungle needs to be held up a little bit more than it is because it shaped millions of young people's lives. And now we're in our 40s and it's like, yeah, salute to jungle music. Auntie Farah. <laughs> yeah, man, fucking Abla. Yeah, exactly. Abla. Abla. <laughs> No, nah, seriously, I couldn't agree with you more. Jungle was my life. Seriously, I loved it. Like, I could go on and on and sit here and talk about all the many raves that we went to. Equinox, Roller Express, um, flipping Hippodrome, all them venues, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Driving to Milton Keynes and places we probably shouldn't have been going to at the ages that we went to them. But Jungle was amazing. It was very short-lived. <laughs> unfortunately because people started throwing bottles and smoking things that they shouldn't have been smoking but um it just got spoiled but hyper oh my god he was the guy anytime that he his set came on that was it i'd go off because it was just like he was the one for me above everyone else like when um brocky and deck came on yeah that was all good and blah 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 when five oh was on i wanted him someone to take the mic from him because he was just <laughs> Lecture. DJ, 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 stop the music. Shut up, man. You're ruining my high. But um, not high like that. I just mean my high because I'm high off the music. But um, yeah, no, it was great. I loved it. Well done, Auntie Nana. That was a good one. I kind of, kind of miss that era a little bit. Oh, to be honest. Ago, no. <laughs> I knew she's going to come with that. You're in your 40s. No. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> See, I was kind of like in that kind of phase where Jungle was going into Garage. So there's like some tracks that I know, but it wasn't really my scene. My scene, it was more my sister's scene. Do you know what I mean? It's more like the fashions, like Crazy mm. Marsh and all that kind of stuff. Like I just remember the whole vibe about it and really wishing I could go out to these parties like my sister did and but yeah, just definitely that, that jungle slash garage era is like amazing. Yeah, so good one. Um, for me, we, we were South girls who loved hip hop and ragga and came to West London at the peak of the music shift. Like when Auntie Shelley said, it's a shift from jungle to garage. We had a shift between hip hop, ragga and then garage, I mean, jungle became a thing. So we turned We up let you in. Shut up. We turned <laughs> Hammersmith and West London College and um, we're like, that's what that was a boom of the music. And it's like, wow, this stuff is mad. And going to all the raves that Auntie Farah mentioned, we raved our heads, we raved our butts off, um, you know, going to Orange and Voodoo um, Magic and Jungle Fever. And my friend's sister, Ishi, she started a dance class because she used to be a dancer. And I joined the dance class. So we were it then became official roast and jungle fever dancers, dancers. And we had this one routine that we did at every, pretty much every single rave where we were so proud of ourselves because there were usually dancer girls that just did like sexy moves. So we had a routine and we thought we were bad and we had like a uniform. So we'd come on and especially, I think we especially came on when Brocky and Deck came on. So whenever they were doing their set, we would come out and we'd parade on stage and then do our moves and all that stuff. And it was just, the closest thing to being like a superstar famous person in this little kind of community of 
saving culture. And it was great because we'd get VIP, we'd get in free and we'd just do all this stuff and just just soaking up the culture, boyfriends, girlfriends and meeting people and raving and just getting having so much fun. Um, I've got so many fond memories of Jungle Days and especially leaving Hippodrome after Orange at maybe 12.30 in the afternoon because it started at yeah. 12.30 and we'd all pile into the McDonald's. We'd yeah. actually put your chirps on, you eat your burgers and your chips and then you'd be looking at all the cute boys and trying to hide your sweaty face because you really did. And that's another thing. Hide your big sunglasses. Big sunglasses. And the way you used oh, to dance. Right. That is why I was a size eight because the way you used to freaking dance, even if we weren't on stage dancing, the dance moves. And people, I don't know if people dance the same way they dance that we danced back in the day. Like really, I don't even think they go to raves in the They don't even have that. Not the same. They don't have raves. They don't have raves. Yeah. It's not the same. They finish at about two in the morning. We were getting to raves at them sort of times. Yeah, that's or no, even we were like the early birds. We'd be there and to the end, not feel a bar of tiredness. Be there yeah. and then finish at six and still want more to do. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then coming home at six, seven a.m. and my mum, my Ghanaian mum, being like, "What I what what is this?" And just not understanding what it was. She said, "You know, you're going to go home. You're going to turn to drugs, and you're just going to be an alcoholic, and then just destitute." That's what my mum's thing. Because she thought, "What the hell are we doing?" She used to be really angry at my dance teachers, thinking, "What is she? Where is she taking to to all these raves across the country and stuff like that?" You know, and getting in cars, coming home from all those long distances, and you know, keeping the driver awake because you'd be driving on the motorway, falling asleep. We're trying to keep everyone awake, and the cars swerving. So many stories. But anyway, I'd remember as well getting back to my friend's house, always used to go to Valerie's house because like you said, my mum weren't having me coming in at them sort of times in the morning. So I always <laughs> used to sleep over at my friend's house and we'd be in and because we spent so long next to the speakers, yeah. watching you girls on the stage, we're right by the speakers, get home and be like, can you hear that tune? Yeah. Tune! That is why I've got tinnitus today. Tell him yeah. that's why. Yeah. It's true. Still that ringing in my ears. Ringing. That ringing in your ears was the sign yeah. of a brilliant night when you're just yeah. lying down and you're like, my ears are still ringing. My ears yeah. are still yeah. ringing. Your feet hurt. Eight hours. Now it's just old age. Yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was the moment. Um, I've got diaries accounting all those days. One day I'll write them up. Okay. Shout out or big up Black History Month, homage to jungle music and the culture. Thanks, that. <laughs> what was your favorite jungle tune, quickly? Uh, you know the oh my god, there's so many. Um, I would say probably angles. You don't know the angles, that tune, okay. angles, circles, shapes, <laughs> <laughs> um, peace, love, and unity can corrupt our city. Oh, and that's all. that is literally, I, I hear that in my head all the time. I might actually put that on a t shirt, but that is that is probably my jungle anthem. That tune can make me cry. Oh, anyone? Oh, too many to remember. Too many to remember. But I just, I do remember anytime piano tune would come on, the oh, girls yeah. would go mad. Yeah. We would go mad for that. And the guys would always look like, yeah, you just, man. It's like, shut up, man. This is our tune. Because we would do it with so much this. I think that would be the, one of the tunes that when we come out and it comes on the bass drops and there's all of us in formation doing yeah. our own. It's, yeah, the moment. There's a moment. See, I like the commercial. <laughs> Go on, what is it? Are you going to say original matter? I like yeah, matter. I <laughs> and I like fire. Fire is a tune. Fire is a tune. Fire is a tune. Original Go on. No, I just re I remember watching. They had a video on the box yeah. and they used to come on all the time. And I'd be like, ah, that's amazing. I really like that. Yeah, and, um, original Nasa, I remember when Apache 
no, I always say Apache England is not, it's um, UK Apache. He debuted at, um, at the Astoria, and this is when she hadn't started the dance group yet, but she was dancing. So she called me and my, her sister, Sharina, onto the stage to dance with her. We were in our like normal clothes, like raving clothes, and we didn't know what to do. So we were just going like, doing like, and they wheeled it up about 20 times but it was so the atmosphere was mad and by the like by the time they finished wheeling we didn't give it down what we were doing on stage we were doing all sorts of moves but it was mad so i remember that debuting at um yeah the astoria which is no longer with us mm, i used to like astoria yeah another story this london has lost yeah story yeah. was good I hated camden Palais. oh my god i went to I camden quite liked Palais. Palais. Oh, I hate it. Um, oh, was it called Women with Attitude or something? They sang flowers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my purse got stolen. Oh, I'll never oh. forget that day. Oh, so upset. I think I had like twenty pounds. I thought I was rich. Oh, like, you know when you don't have money, like oh, yeah, yeah. Twenty pounds is twenty pounds a lot. And you know when um, Aunt Charlie went, I went to Stratford the other day to an event, seeing Club UN, and I was like. It used no, to Stratford Rex. Stratford, no, where were we? Yeah, Stratford, was it Stratford Rex? Stratford Rex. Stratford Rex, Stratford Rex, sorry, seeing that and thinking, how did I get my ass from Mitcham to Stratford Rex back in the day? I don't know. I thought that when we went there recently, like, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Because no one had cars. Yeah. Like one, per one person, there'd be one person with a car. So it's not like all of you could fit in it. Yeah, I don't know how we did it. But anyway, let's move on to... Oh, Nicola, I'm not. It's not. I'm not feeling jungle. I'm just a little bit young, Nicola. It's not my fault. Nicola, don't encourage her. Lies. Okay. What made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Oh shit! Hold on. One sec. Hey, I'm Auntie Shade. You're listening to your aunties could never. It's almost time to wrap up. Before we do. Aunties, what's made you sad, mad, or glad? I'm going to start with glad, because I think that's all I've got. I was super glad seeing the fly sitting on um, Mike Spence's head. <laughs> that has just given me endless amounts of joy each time I watch that. And it was very poignant the time that the fly actually landed on his head because he was chatting shit as well. That, yeah, that's just provided me with so much jokes. Um, mad. I haven't really been too mad at anything, but actually, the uh, MPs' expenses thing, um, the MPs' pay rise, that has made me a little bit mad because it's just the most insensitive thing ever to take place, which probably will take place. Um, and sad. I'm uh, just. Um, I'm not too sad at anything, but it just feels like the year is running. Like it's really, like it's almost done, and I'm. Just very aware that the year is um, coming to the end. It just feels a bit weird. It feels like the, like there hasn't been a full year. Like it's just rushed by. So I'm kind of sad about that. Oh, I have another glad. Almost forgot. I keep on forgetting this. I was featured on Lorraine last week. Yes! Um, in their Black History Month um, fashion special. And really just, yeah, it's just totally changed my October. Like, to anybody with a business, especially a product business, it's like you'll go into the month with your forecast, what well, I do anyway. So I'll forecast how the month is going to go. And yeah, this just blew the month away. Like it's going to be my best month. And just the orders have kept on coming in. So that day that it happened, it was as soon as it got showed, it started coming in. So I knew 
okay, I must be featured somewhere. Then one of my friends on Facebook tagged it and I was like, oh my God, I weren't even watching it. And I really did forget, but I think it was anxiety that led me to forget that this was going to come on. So I didn't watch it. And then I got it on the plus one and then on plus one, it went up again. Then it's just been a really surreal kind of exposure. Like, you know, when it's not something that you planned, Mm. I didn't plan it. Somebody got in contact and they found me and it was like, I didn't have to do all of the manoeuvres that I generally would do for press and it came along. So yeah, that was, it's been special, but kind of weird because it's weird. I don't really like it when like the spotlight is on me. It makes me like feel prickly and Mm. sweaty. Like it's, it's really, I'm trying to get more used to actually like, this is something that I work on every single day. It's my business and I'm really proud of it. But then when people praise me, it really does make me very sweaty and want to, jitter like in a, in a weird way but it's a gemini in you babe that's all i understand that too Probably. i think it's just it's a spotlight thing it is that because it's the pressure of it's, it's then the expectation and all those insecurities yes. that come in of um wow people like what i'm doing and i have to keep them <laughs> happy if i was at yeah, work it's easy for hey. me to fight myself yeah but it's weird when other people do it it's if i was at work like, that oh, day oh, i would have literally gone around saying that's auntie nana that's auntie nana they would have had to stop me my guards would have had to stop me going in the studio <laughs> but yeah no well done to you that was amazing well deserved i am glad that kanye west no, God. <laughs> has been spotted in northwest <laughs> Because he took Northwest to Northwest. <laughs> and it made me chuckle. And I was glad. What also made me chuckle was his um political broadcast that some of you may or may not have seen. <laughs> oh dear. Paid for Kanye by Kanye. I'm not really angry or, or mad about anything this week. Yeah, I suppose I could throw the MPs under the bus. Bit mad about that. If it happens, bit mad about that. And I am... Um, Glad that my brothers continue to be amazing and help with school runs because I'm still slightly incapacitated. So I'm not really sad about anything, although I am feeling nervous about the fact that I may or may not have been breaking the rule of six because I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> So, you and everyone you and else. The country. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. I'm mad at the Nigerian government not sorting out this SARS thing properly. And I'm glad that the people of Nigeria are speaking out and protesting in the right way and galvanizing change. So I'm sad slash mad at myself because I forgot my niece's birthday. She literally called me. We spoke like on the 9th. Her birthday's on the 11th. And to be fair, I was caught up, but no excuses. I forgot my baby niece, my lovely niece's birthday. I think she's turned 26. And we have this argument every year because I feel like she shouldn't be a Libra. I think she's a Virgo. But so this is what helps me forget because I just assume that her birthday should be a different month. It doesn't make sense that it's October 11th. I feel like it should be a different day. And so my brain's just stuck on that. So I missed her birthday. And I only just remembered at like four or five o'clock this morning. And I sent her about 3,000 voice, voice notes. <laughs> and she has finally, re- I called her and she ignored me, but she's finally re- she said she had a lovely day and I'm making it up to her this weekend and she's put lots of serious faces because this is something that I do but um so I'm sad and mad so happy birthday Rihanna I love you loads you know I do 
Yes, and I'm sorry, Auntie's so terrible. So yeah, I'm sad mad about that. Also mad that the UK won't ban the import of lower standard foods because I think, why are you messing with our health? Um, that's making me mad. And what I'm really glad about is that we've just, I've just wrapped working on BFI London Film Festival's critical mentee program. So basically, this is the third year it's run and people who are interested in being film critics apply and we've got six selected slots and you get to go on this um, scheme of like reviewing films at London Film Festival and speaking to people and having masterclasses. And this year specifically, especially on the back of Black Lives Matter, we look for six black critics. Um, this is my first time being involved and it was so brilliant. We found some really wonderful critics who are really engaged, really talented. And it just goes to show what's out there when you focus on it and dedicate yourself to finding the talent, you can find them. Um, and they got to speak to Steve McQueen. They got to speak to programmers at LFF. They got to speak to other critics who are successful in the field. And it's just they, it was just so brilliant to speak to them and see their lights, their eyes spark up and get so um, inspired, especially when they thought it was a bit of a loss, you know, that they probably wouldn't be able to get into the industry. And they have been given so much access. They've been given partnerships with mainstream publications. They have got so many contacts that they have no excuse even now. They're like, they're galvanized. They've got all these contacts and this access to the industry. And I'm just really proud that I've managed to, do a part, to be a part of that. And I'm going to be back doing it next year because I just think it's such a wonderful initiative. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really, really glad about that. It's brilliant. That's it. Can I mention one more thing? Yes. That's made me annoyed. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the government guy that's telling people to retrain. Oh my God. Yes, oh. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that yeah. was Wasn't it Rishi? Huh? Wasn't it Rishi? Yes, that's that it. Rishi? Yes. yes. Have um, you seen the images where they've got like, a ballerina, and they said, yeah, that she, she could to. then be in in cyber, cyber. some shit like that. But contextually, I did look at the context of that, and apparently, it was more the other roles. However, the one that people honed in on was the ballerina because the whole problem with the creative arts not getting sufficient funding yeah. and support. So that's why they said it was insensitive. But however, that campaign was apparently something they repurposed it. Yeah, repurposed it or something like yeah. that. But whatever the case is, it's a nonsense. Whatever the case is, is a nonsense. It is a nonsense. It is, it's ridiculous. That made me mad. Yeah, I saw that too. Seriously. And on that note, mm -hmm. we are done. Thank you for watching Your Aunties Could Never. Um, don't we have a hit list? Or hit list. We... In fact, it's you. Do not... <laughs> One. Oh, I see what you tried to do there. Yeah, you see what she tried. She's on my hit list. Yeah. <laughs> but on my, I mean, to be fair, because to be honest, because it was a bit of a remix today, um, my hit list is Boris Johnson and Trump. Like our two, our two, the supposedly two biggest world leaders that we've got, and supposed to be the forefront and um, example of how to run a country or the world, as they say, it's just failing. And I, I, they're both on my hit list. It's a bit of an obvious one, but I don't have anyone else that I can't stand more than these two people. So they are on my hit list and that's it. And I know it's not unpopular. They're definitely on probably more than everybody else's hit list and that's it. Trump and Boris, middle finger. Thank you for watching your aunties could never um, episode 32. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. We're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram. So follow us, get involved and be back next Tuesday. Thank you. And that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad and glad.
If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. And that's our show. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never podcast, hosted by The British Blacklist. Please listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other listening platforms. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. See you later. (laughs)